So we come to our last sermon in this Advent series, and um, what I would hope to do to, is to encourage you, to encourage us, that when we receive Jesus, uh, the, the greatest gift, the indescribable gift of Christmas, we also receive other things with him. We receive the answer to all the promises of the new covenant that Jeff just read in Ezekiel. Um, Paul said that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. I believe on the front of your bulletin, I put a quote from Ray Orland Jr., and he, he says a similar thing. He said, Christmas is all about how committed God is to all the promises he has made to us in Christ. And so we've looked at the promises of Ezekiel 36, five of them, that God would make us a new people who he would gather together, as he promised in Ezekiel 36, that he would bring us into a new partnership with God. We will be his people and he will be our God, God promised in verse 28 of chapter 36. And then, in order to do that, he has to make us new. So he gives us a new purity. He promised that he would wash away, cleanse us from our sins and our idols. He promised that he would give us a new heart that beats like the heart of Jesus with the passion of Jesus, with a new passion, not for ourselves, but for God and for others. We saw that last week. And this morning, we're going to talk about the new power that God has promised in Christ Jesus. And so... As we prepare to do that, would you pray with me? Oh, Father, what great news this is that you have given us Jesus who came to make all things new, starting with us. Um, that you have promised that those who are in Christ uh, are new creatures, new creations. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We are part of a new people who have a new partnership with you. And you have given us a new purity and passion and power. God, would you, would you help us this morning as we look at this last piece of what it means to have the spirit of Jesus in us. The spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Would you by that spirit, by your spirit, come and open our eyes to understand your word and how through Jesus you fulfilled the promise to give us power. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, I need a helper, and um, I believe that I'm going to ask Hannah Parker if you would come help me, please. I'm trying to think who I could spring this on without having them be mad at me. Um, so Hannah, I have this gift for you, and uh, I would like you to take out that tissue and grab, grab the first thing that you see in there. Wow. Would you open that? I'll take that. Yes. Open that up. Let's see what Jimmy Claus has brought to you today. <laughs> this will be exciting. It's probably something she's been longing for for years. Thank you. Keep the bow. 
you know, that's what your grandmother says. Hang on to the bow. Yeah. Wow. What is that? A flashlight. Wow, that's exciting. Um, what you always wanted. Well, so what do, what, do you, what do you do with those? You see things, right? Yeah? Oh, in dark places. Nice. So you can kind of bring some light into the darkness with that, can't you? Nice. I, I want you to know that is a brand new flashlight. Absolutely brand new. Everything is brand new. We'll turn it on and see. It, you got to push the button on the back. Here, I'll take that box from you. And the bow. You don't need that bow. What, what's the matter? It's brand new. It's not working? Batteries, what are those? What, what do you need batteries for? Oh, oh, I see, good. The, did you know that uh, Energizer did some research and they discovered that one-third of all parents will forget batteries on Christmas morning? So don't forget your batteries. But anyway, uh, well, let's see, maybe there's another gift in here. Wow. Let's see what. Okay, I'll keep that though. Thank you. What's in there? Batteries. That's amazing. Okay, let's put them in. Here, I'll take the box. I shall hand them to you. I'm not exactly sure how they go in. Can you figure it out? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Do I keep it? Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I mean, that's so you can stay up late studying, doing homework, which is, I'm sure, how you plan to use it. All right. Uh, thank you for, for doing that. Thank you, Eric, for helping us both. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> by now you've probably figured this out. Um, God can make you new people. He can make us, he can give us a new heart. But uh, just being new isn't enough. We need a new power. And so Ezekiel 36, 27 God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. See, the flashlight was made for a purpose, to bring light into a dark world. We were made to walk in the statutes and rules of God, which are to love God with all we are and have and to love others as God has loved us. Loved us. Uh, but we can't do that without... His power. Now, the good news is, it's not like getting batteries in a in a flashlight. That's so impersonal. It's just yeah. Let's, the spirit is not like that. Just plug in the spirit and woo, you're a light. Um, no, it is, and it's not even. Although it sounds a little better, it's not even that whole Star Wars thing of, you know, feel the 
the force. God, the Spirit is not some kind of impersonal force that we tap into. No, the promise that Ezekiel is talking about is way better than batteries. It's so much better. When I was a kid, I used to want to have the force and do the lightsabers. No, no, the promise of the Spirit is way better than the force. The promise of the Spirit is that the Spirit of God himself, the Spirit of Jesus himself, lives in you, dwells in you. As Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The world can't see him or receive him. They don't know him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the power source you have is not just some kind of impersonal batteries or force. It's a personal being. God lives in us. And we saw last week that Paul says this in in Romans chapter 8. He says, um, you, however, who are in Christ are not in the flesh, um, that old stone grinchy heart. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you and then he calls him the spirit of christ anyone who does not have the spirit of christ does not belong to him but if christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the spirit is life if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you you ever stop and think about that the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in us So we not only have the spirit of Christ who was raised and is alive living in us, we have the spirit of his father who raised him from the dead living in us. Now that's a promise of power that is amazing. So much better than batteries. If you are in Christ, then the spirit of Christ is in you. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's amazing. The living God knows that you need power to be who he made you to be. And so he came to live in you, to be that power. So that you could walk in his statutes and be careful to obey his rules and, and don't hear that like we typically hear that. Oh, he gives us power just so we can obey the rules. No, the rules are life. These are, it's the way you are meant to live in love for God and love for people. He wants to empower you to live how you were made to live. True freedom is not just getting to do whatever you want to do. True freedom is is wanting to do what you were made to do and having the power to do it. So it's not just obeying rules. It's having freedom to be what you were made to be by the power of God. Loving God with everything you are and have. Loving the people he's put in your path with the love that he's shown you. So our Father wants us to walk the path of Jesus by the power of Jesus. The Spirit is coming, has come to reproduce Christ in us. Paul said it to the Galatians. He said, I am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed 
in you. So at Christmas, the Holy Spirit formed the body of Jesus in Mary so that one day the Holy Spirit could form the heart of Jesus in you and me. Merry Christmas. Wow. Last week we talked about the spirit of adoption coming into us so that we cry, Abba, Father. The very spirit that cries, Abba, Father, in Jesus now dwells in you, and we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus cried out in desperate dependence on his Father as he was moving toward submission to his Father. He cried out, Abba, Father, to his Father as he moved moved toward suffering for his enemies to make them his brothers and sisters. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to do that as he cried out, Abba, Father, is the same spirit that is working in his brothers and sisters. It's the work of the spirit bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If you think about that list of the fruit of the spirit and, and think about Jesus that night in the garden And those hours as he moved toward the cross and as he hung on the cross. You want to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control? Look at Jesus. And the same spirit that produced that fruit in him, God has promised to put in us. Jack Miller said it this way. He said, to have the Holy Spirit in you is to have more of Christ in you, to be more like Christ, and to bear the fruit of the Spirit which comes through faith in Christ. So for the rest of our time this morning, I want us to ask and think about what does it look like in everyday life to engage the power of of the Holy Spirit that God has put in me to cause me to live and love like Jesus. And in order to do that, I want us to think for a minute, what did it look like? Let's think a little bit more about what did did that look like for Jesus? Peter said in, in Acts 10, Peter said that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Peter went on to describe how Jesus lived in doing good in healing, in walking to the cross, in dying on the cross, and being raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus the power to do those things. And I think all of that is captured. All of that power to live and to die and to live again is really captured well in that one scene in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before Jesus was crucified. And one of the things that Jesus did by the power of the Spirit that we can do because we have his Spirit in us is Jesus rested in and relied upon the love of his Father. That little Abba Father, there's a whole lot packed into that little prayer that cry of the heart of Jesus. 
It means that Jesus was grounded in, he, he rested in, he relied upon the love of his father. He, he trusted his father's heart. And this was the pattern of his life. He, you know, as you read the Gospels, Jesus was continually stealing away for time with his father. Stealing away, I think, to hear his father say again what he said at his baptism and at the transfiguration, you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. In fact, it's interesting. When Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, isn't the Lord's Prayer a lot like that prayer in the garden? Abba, Father, please take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day what we need to do your will. Lead us not into temptation to not do your will. And deliver us from the evil one. It's so interesting, isn't it? The way Jesus taught us to pray is essentially the way he prayed. And Paul tells us that we have to depend on the Spirit for the power to know our Father's heart. In Romans 8, in Romans 5, sorry, Paul said that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's the Holy Spirit who pours the love of God into your heart. And then he goes on in Romans 8, and he says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. It's the Spirit who testifies to you that you are the beloved son or daughter of God in whom he is well pleased. And so like Jesus, we must rest in and rely upon the love of our Father. We, we have to trust his heart by the power of his Spirit. So that made me think, so where do I look to know my father's heart. Where do I look to know that it can be trusted? First John 4 says that in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We look to Jesus to know the love the father has for us. And then Paul in Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the place that we look to know the Father's heart for us is we look to Jesus. We look to his life. We look to his crucifixion. We look to his resurrection. We look to him in faith, in dependence, on him as the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And when we do that, the Spirit pours that love into our hearts. That's what happens when we look to Jesus to know the love of our Father. The Spirit rushes in, and it's a mystery of, of how this happens, but it's a true mystery. It, it, it's not completely understandable, but it's true. 
And we read in Galatians 3 this morning, Paul kind of describes how this, how this looks. When we look to Jesus in all that he is for us on the cross in his resurrection, and we rest in that, and we depend on that, or as he says, we hear that message by faith, the Spirit rushes in. This is what he said. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. That means in the preaching of the gospel, you saw Jesus crucified for you. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit the first time, he's saying, by works of the law or by hearing that message of the cross with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by your flesh, by depending on your own power just to be good? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What Paul is saying is that somehow, mysteriously, as we look to Jesus as he's offered to us in the gospel and we rest ourselves on him, we embrace him, we depend on him, we trust the Father's heart as it's shown in the sacrifice of Jesus, the Spirit comes. The Spirit flows to us. I don't know exactly all the mechanics of that, but that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, if you want the Spirit to come and do the miracle in you of sanctification, just like he did the miracle of salvation, then look to Jesus. I looked to Jack Miller again to help me with this. Jack said, the Father and the Son will move in whenever a believer looks in love to Jesus. The Father and the Son will move in by the Spirit whenever a believer looks in love to Jesus. The Father cannot resist fellowship with his own dear children when they embrace Christ in all he is for us and has done for us. The Father cannot resist fellowship with you when you embrace all that Christ is for you and has done for you. He finds it irresistible that you trust him, that you trust his heart for you. So like Jesus, cry out, Abba, Father. Cry out for the Spirit to pour the love of your Father into your heart. Cry out for the Spirit to testify to you that you are his child. And that's, that's why this church offers what we offer, is opportunities for you to come and hear the Father's heart for you in what Jesus is and has done for you so that you can embrace it and the Spirit can flow into your life. That's why we offer the Word of God, preached, taught, shared in fellowship. That's why we offer the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism so that you hear the good news of Jesus and God's heart for you in that. That's why we offer times of prayer together. That's why we offer times of fellowship together so we can encourage each other with the good news of God's heart for us in Jesus. That's why we offer times to serve together so that we can serve out of that love together and be reminded that we serve because he first served us. 
But we don't do those things to get God to love us. We do them to hear him say it. So, when we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit comes to give us the power then, as he gave Jesus the power, to move toward, to move into submission to our Father who loves us. To move toward, to move into suffering for our enemies so that they might be our brothers and sisters, as Jesus did. We move by the Spirit's power away from a me-first heart and toward a heart that says to God and others, no, you first. Now, Jesus didn't have a me-first heart to move away from, did he? But in the garden that night, you can tell that he was resisting the temptation of the me-first heart. You could tell that he was resisting to put himself first. And so that's why he cried out to his father. And if Jesus had to resist the temptation of a me-first heart, how much more do we, who actually have one, have to resist that temptation? But that's the other promise of the Spirit that Paul gave us in Galatians 5 when he said, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the me-first heart. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Do you feel that tension? Do you feel like you're in a tug of war between your me first heart and the spirit of God who wants you to put God and others first? Do you feel that tension? The promise of the spirit that Ezekiel gave us and that Jesus fulfills for us is that you have the power to resist the me first heart and to move toward God and others in love, even if you suffer. And so, my encouragement to us and to myself is, in this war, let's get on the spirit side. We have him to help us fight. Paul said, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the me-first heart, you will live. We can say no to our me-first tendencies and temptations and move towards submitting to God and suffering for others. By the power of the Spirit of Jesus who lives in us, who did that for us. What does that look like? It looks like wrestling with your father in prayer over the battle, as Jesus did in the garden. Talk to him about how he is specifically asking you to say no to your me first heart. What are you dealing with right now? Every one of us, including me, is dealing with some area in your life where you would like to put yourself first. And if the spirit is in you, the spirit is warring against that. And so that thing you hear in your head that says, no, don't, me first, don't go there. The spirit is warring against that in you and in me. I've got a couple of things that he's doing that with me right now. So while I'm on vacation, I get to wrestle with those. But the spirit is also in you 
specifically asking you to submit to your Father who loves you and to suffer for the sake of others the way Jesus did for you. And I've got a couple of those things that he wants to wrestle with me over too. But the promise is, the promise is that the Spirit is there. We fight with him against the me first heart. And then remember that sometimes this miraculous work of the Spirit in us simply looks like crying out, Abba, Father, in the midst of suffering. Over this past year, a verse that has captured my heart and attention is Colossians 1.11, where Paul says, Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So if you're hearing that, you're thinking, I've got to be strengthened with all power, all of God's power and all of his glorious might. There must be something huge he wants me to accomplish by his power and glorious might. What is it? Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Friends, if you feel like all you're able to do is endure and just hang on and be patient and maybe have joy as you do that, whatever God's taking you through right now, do you know it takes all the power and glorious of might, might of God's Spirit in you to do that? So be encouraged. If you're just enduring, the Spirit's at work. And if, even if you're not, because some of you might say, well, I'm not even enduring. I can't hold on anymore. The Spirit of the one who can hold on to Jesus is in you, and he'll hold on to you. So, the promise of the Spirit is that Christ is being formed in you. Your life is taking the shape of Jesus in the relationships and roles and responsibilities he's given you in the places he's putting you. By the power of, spirit, of the Spirit, you are moving toward loving God and loving others, even if it means you'll suffer. But you're not doing this by willpower, by just being better. You're doing this by a conscious, wrestling, prayerful dependence on your Father who loves you and your brother who lives in you by their spirit. When we get Jesus for Christmas, we get the power that raised him from the dead. Father, would you help us to experience that a little more? And, and, and we may think that that might look like miracles and healings and amazing signs and wonders, but, but what about the miracle of enduring with patience and joy? What about the miracle of saying no to my 
me first heart and, and saying yes to submitting to what you have for me, Father, and, and suffering for the sake of others, even if they're my enemies, or even if they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, but they act like my enemies. What about those miracles? Uh, what about the miracle of actually believing that you love me? Those are the miracles of the Spirit that you have promised when you said, I will put my Spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to obey my rules. Would you do that in this church? For the glory of God, for the good of the world, and for our great gladness, we ask in Jesus' name.